Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to another episode of Undying Light. I am Alex. And tonight, I am by myself. So as you know, when we do these solo episodes, we are usually walking along a specific series. Paul is doing his hermeneutics, which, by the way, we will have a surprise episode on that next week. So stay tuned to that. We have uh, me doing the Wake Up Church series, where I'm walking through various heresies and false teachings in today's church, and not only in the church, but outside of the church. We are also tackling um, the uh, literature, the music, um, household behaviors, things of that nature, like um, devotionals and stuff like that. So we're going to take a very long journey through uh, a lot of the false teachings that we are encountering in today's culture. On top of all that, we have Roundtable. I think this is episode number six, maybe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we're up there. Five or six. I think it's six this time. Uh, That will be dropping next Tuesday. And uh, so stay tuned to that as Nick, Paul, and I uh, tackle questions and popular and relevant issues and discuss them. So uh, please let us know your feedback on that. We've gotten a lot of really positive um, from people and that people love to uh, here is just kind of banter on. So uh, as long as you guys love it, we'll keep doing it. So tonight I've gotten uh, a lot of questions on when am I going to tackle this particular book? And this is the, uh, this might be the final one. I might do one more in the bookstore and I'll just kind of do a blanket on the rest. Um, because the, this one and then the last two have been on very specific books this one is going to be on the shack. I think I want to do one more and just kind of cover um, some of the other broad ones and just kind of as a, a warning to uh, you guys, the listeners. So um, I'll probably throw that out in a question. And then if you guys want it, we'll do it. If not, we'll move on. So tonight we're tackling the shack. We are going to burn this building down. This thing is an atrocious. It is a... Um, this book should be used for nothing better than a fire starter. 
in my opinion, it is blasphemous on many levels. And I am sorry for any people who have read it and enjoyed it. Uh, This is not Christianity. This is not the God of the Bible. This is blasphemous, heretical garbage. So uh, you can tell I have a lot of emotion poured into this one because uh, I was, um, I read this book. I seen this movie um, when I was a very young Christian and a lot of it didn't shake well with me. Um, and I was very um, kind of just distraught, but I kind of like, okay, well, you know, I can justify some of this stuff. And uh, now looking back on that, I was just completely misled. And uh, I can see how this book does that to so many people. Um, you can go to pretty much, uh, you can just Google the Shack Heresies and you're going to come up with a plethora of web pages that, uh, you know, hash out the 13 heresies of the shack. And, uh, they, you know, they're all pretty much the same. Uh, I didn't do that with this article that I posted on our blog and, and I'm not going to do that with this podcast, but, uh, I am going to cover just a few of them and some that are obviously very, uh, very much glaring and in your face. And then, uh, you know, we'll kind of wrap it up with that. So, um, it it just, it blows my mind that this book has literally sold over 20 million copies. Let me just think about this for one moment here. Let's look at this number, 20 million copies. Now, can you say that all of these people are Christians? Probably not. Uh, are they professing Christians? I would say, yes, there are probably many in this number that are professing Christians. Um, Many deceived, many are blind. Um, Some probably bought it just to read and see, you know, what, uh, what the, the hoopla was all about. Um, Many got it probably to read to um, be able to uh, stand against it. So, um, but uh, it's not, shocking to me that a book like on this caliper sold this many copies because uh, this is right up there with like the Joel Olstein and the T.D. Jakes series uh, where they just make millions of dollars off of their books. So uh, this author, you know, found a niche and exploited it and basically has, uh, you know, released a terrible book that just uh, goes completely against Christianity. So we're going to start taking a look at uh, a couple of these glaring problems. Uh, We are going to tackle uh, three of them, and then we will wrap up tonight's episode. Uh, I don't intend on this to be a very long one, um, but uh, we will be going pretty hard on this book. So problem number one is what does this book say about the imagery of God? Now, mind you, this isn't just talking about a generic God. This isn't talking about, uh, you know, Buddha or any Hindu God or anything like that. This, this book is making a depiction of the God of the Bible, the God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Uh, so this book is going hard against the biblical God, Yahweh. And so this is where, you know, you can say, well, you know, 
It's not really the God of the Bible. It's just fictional. Well, even fictional should still have, you know, a tip of the hat to the way the Bible depicts God. It should never steer away from that. I've read many books growing up that, you know, have uh, made references to God, but never in a blasphemous way. They've always honored or they've done it in such a manner that is not a blasphemous token. And this book does not do that. This book is uh, in your face right off the bat. So the number one thing that you can probably say we can talk about the entire episode is how they actually portray God. And that's as a African-American woman named Papa. Uh, I I don't want to dwell or really dwell on this too much um, because this is not about race as much as it is about gender. Um, The Bible itself is very clear. God is referred to in the masculine pronouns, he, him, and his, and it's done over hundreds of times. Uh, Not once has God ever referred to as female. Uh, He's not referred to as her or she. Uh, there are references that, you know, in the new Testament of Jesus and like a, a hen gathering her brood, but that is a imagery. It is not a direct reference. So we have to be very clear on direct referencing. It's always done in the masculine pronoun. God is never referred to as a woman. Um, but this is a big push in recent years. Uh, the feminist movement, the liberal movement is trying to um, de-genderize God, um, if that's even a word. You know, they're trying to remove the masculine pronouns. They want to make him, uh, they you know, not who God says he is, basically. They are trying to um, just absolutely dethrone him and set their own God, create their own God in their own image. And that's just, it's idolatry. And, you know, we, we know what happens to that as many instances are referenced in the Bible to God's destruction to various idol worshiping. So again, we can talk about this topic all day long. Uh, we've made references to God being a, um, you know, referred to in the masculine pronouns a few times on other podcast episodes, but, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time, more than just the last uh, couple minutes on this. So, moving on. So, we, in this book, uh, we meet this version of their God. I would reference this as a lowercase g. This is definitely not Yahweh. Uh, As Mac, who is the main character, uh, he shows up at a shack in the forest uh, on the anniversary of his daughter's death. Now, if you've not read this book, this book does kind of have a underlying text to it and it's supposed to be quote-unquote helping to those in a healing situation um that's fine and all but only the god of the bible has the ability to do so in the manner that god of the bible is depicted not this particular god an issue happened in the book Uh, Mac's daughter was um kidnapped and was murdered a very young girl And uh, they find her body in this shack, and that's out in the middle of the woods. And Mac has a a troubling time trying to get over her death. And he receives this letter in the mail uh, from 
uh, Papa, who is you know depicted as God. And so he travels back to the shack, and then this is where the story really kind of develops, uh, where he has this uh, vision, if you would, of um, of God. So the imagery of God continues here as she, in the book, shows up and uh, is talking to Mac as he's in this shack. And the character of this God has scars on her wrist uh, which would have indicated that God had suffered on the cross or was crucified with with or in Jesus's place which is just uh, an absolute blasphemous notion God the Father could not suffer on the cross Bible is very clear that God's eyes are pure and cannot look at sin God could not even look at his son as he hung on the cross and we see this notion that God's eyes are pure in Habakkuk in uh, chapter 1, verses 13. Verse 13, uh, the very notion that God the Father could suffer just completely counteracts the biblical narrative of God begetting his only son. So the purpose of Christ uh, was to be our atonement. He was the perfect sacrifice. He came in the flesh to die and to provide that atonement for us. Uh, he had to be separated from God. God had to pour out his wrath upon him to uh, wash away our sins. And that is why we see in Matthew 27, 45, that the darkness over the land after Christ dies on the cross. And in that very next verse in 46, Jesus says, uh, I cannot pronounce this in Greek because I am not a Greek major, <laughs> but it uh, basically it says my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? So we know that God has had to turn his back at that moment of death. So that way the wrath of God pours out onto the sun. So moving on, the revealing of God, we see Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, literally have no connection to the biblical portrayal of the Trinity. Um, the shack does kind of play note to it. Uh, it does have some slight support for a trinity, not the trinity. Um, the shack represents this by having three individual persons, but they each have their own relationship. They each uh, are basically separate gods um, within the Godhead. They do not all, they do not work in unison, basically. Uh, and that's just kind of a, a stab against uh, the biblical teaching where all three uh, have the same will. This thinking moves, obviously, against the teaching of the Bible. The Bible indicates that while the Trinity has three separate persons, they are all of the same essence, whereas in the shack, they are separate. In the Trinity, uh, each complement each other and does a collective will. And looking at the imagery of the God in the shack, it's evident that they all have their own separate wills, and their own separate principles, as they kind of encourage worship and uh and dedication to each of the Godhead. They incur, encourage a relationship with each. So uh, Jesus is encouraging a relationship with himself, same as the Holy Spirit, whereas um, the Trinity in the Bible is one unison, one essence, three separate persons. We are all to worship God, and the only way through God is through, the, through Christ, 
and we are given the Holy Spirit as a mediator, or as a as a teacher and encourager to Christ. So, moving on, problem number two that we're going to tackle is the universalism of this book. Uh, basically stating that God has forgiven all of humanity and their sins. This book really heavily downplays the level of sin. Now, here's a quote directly from this book. Uh, this is Papa or their God speaking. I am not who you think I am, Mackenzie, which is Mac. I don't need to punish people for sin. Sin is its own punishment, devouring you from the inside. It may not, it is not my purpose to punish it. It's my joy to cure it. Now, to the ignorant Christian or to the young Christian, uh, this may sound comforting and welcoming and this may be you know encouraging even uh, thinking that god is not who christianity today says he is that we have it all wrong well unfortunately it's the shack that has this wrong uh and in the book he wants everybody to be saved and free of sin and while we see some notions in the scripture that says that he does not wish for any to perish, we know that that's just not true. Uh, we, and by that I mean God is selective in his election. While he says that he doesn't wish any to perish, that is his general wish to creation, but he knows that there will be some that perish. And that's a whole different doctrine to get into, which I'm not going to at this junction. So we see that this universalist approach uh, that God wants all sins to be forgiven and forgives all sins in this the book, The Shack, uh, we see in the Gospels that the, and in the letters, the epistles, that it's just not true. Um, we see that election is specific. We see that in Matthew one twenty one, in John 6, Romans 8 and 9, John 10, John 17, um, and the list goes on and on. And not only do we see that election is a glaring doctrine, by the way, if you missed our episode on um, unconditional election, go back and make sure you check that out. But we see that those unrepentant souls will, in fact, be punished. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Paul adds some more that vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord in Romans 12.19. So how is this possible if God in the Bible is telling us that he's going to punish the wicked uh, and yet the God in the shack says that he's not, that the um, that the punishment of sin is just it's of its own. It's the the devouring you from the inside that is your punishment which obviously we see in scripture to be completely different so by saying that all sins were figured out on the cross in the shack we see this basically as a glaring insult to the bible we see this quote-unquote little god in the shack as being all about love and no justice and even though the bible says that christ died for the sins and rose from the dead as noted in first corinthians 15 1 the shack does not play into this separation of humanity. The God and the shack is a universal, all-loving falsehood, much like the little God that is sold by Oprah Winfrey, which is a whole other topic to discuss sometime. 
Sadly, this teaching has seeped into so many of the modern-day emergent churches uh, and Pentecostal and Charismatic, um, and even some of the mainstream denominations now are starting to adapt this. They declare that the atonement of Christ was nothing more uh, than a form of cosmic child abuse. You know, and when theology is twisted and written into a fictional book, it'll sell millions. And many false teaching churches want in on this action. And so they will adapt whatever it takes to get people in the doors. And we see that now as churches are, you know, these mega churches are overflowing with people and lacking biblical doctrine. It's truly sad. And we see that this behavior in this book, as the quote-unquote Jesus says, those who love me come from every system. Now, get this. this. This quote here just blows my mind. You ready for this one? In the Bible, I'm sorry, in this book, the little, the little Jesus, because I'm not even going to equate him to the all-powerful begotten Son of God, those who love me, this is what he says, those who love me come from every system that exists. They are Buddhists or Mormons, Baptists or Muslims, and many who are not even a part of any Sunday morning or religious institution. Some are bankers and bookies, Americans and Iraqis, Jews and Palestinians. I have no desire to make them Christians. Oh, let's put the brakes on that one. But I do not want to, but I do want to join them in their transformation into sons and daughters of my papa. Uh, he goes on to say, does that mean that all roads will lead to you? This is Max's question to him. Does that mean that all roads will lead to you? And he says, not at all. This is the Jesus reply. Not at all. Most roads don't lead anywhere. What it does mean is that I will travel any road to find you. Okay, so we can pick this sucker apart, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a minute on this one because this can be perceived as having some biblical truth to it. But let's look at it. Let's start all the way at the beginning. When this Jesus tells us, "Those who love me will come from every system that exists." We can say that's quite possible because there are many Muslims, there are many Catholics, there are many um, Buddhists and Hindus, that uh, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that come to know who the biblical Christ is. So we can kind of take that with a grain of salt and say, mm, possible. Uh, and then the next line kind of justifies what I just said. Um, but then this is where we start to get washy here. And many who are not a part of any Sunday morning or religious institution. First of all, when you come to know Christ, your heart is changed. When you come to know Christ, you have this desire, this obedient, this desire to be obedient and to follow his commands. So you may not be currently a Sunday morning churchgoer. Uh, you may not be a current Wednesday night churchgoer or whatever, you, you know, you, you go to church. Uh, you may not belong to a church. Um, but according to this, that that doesn't matter. But in the Bible, we will see that those who are of Christ become obedient and we will be 
uh, attending church and attending or, you know, be belonging to a church and belonging to a, an organization and uh, a fellowship of some sort. Uh, the next sign says some are bankers and bookies, Americans and Iraqis, Jews and Palestinians. That's fine because obviously everybody has a, um, uh, everybody has a job, a career. Everybody has a nationality. Um, I have no desire to make them Christians. Well, okay. So right there again is another heretical statement because the point of Christ of the Bible is to draw them to him and to the father. I do not want to join them, but I do want to join them in the transformation into sons and daughters of my papa. Okay, so it gets a little washy here because it's not just joining them in their transformation. It's transferring them into images of Christ. And then Max question, do all roads lead to you? Oh, not at all. Most roads don't lead anywhere. What it does mean is that I will travel any road to find them. Not so true because John 14, 6 tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't go and gallivant around and, you know, hop into this religion and hop into that religion. Jesus is the religion. He is the mark. He is God. And so we have to understand that while this statement could, can look okay on the surface, when we start to boil it down and look at things, the Jesus in this book makes it sound like he just, he doesn't want to interfere with your life, but he's there for you when you want to come to know him. And the Jesus of the Bible tells us that if you want to follow him, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and then follow him. You must die to yourself. You must give up your passions of the world, your passions of the flesh to follow him. And this fluffy Jesus in the shack just does not equate to that. So the third problem we have in this book is just a complete and backwards view of salvation. So as we closed up the last problem, um, I noted a section in the book that indicated universalism, and it tries to dismantle John 14, 6. And the book Christ is just simply described as the best way to the Father. He's not described as the only way. And as the small Jesus in the book says, he desires all people from all religions to know his Papa. The Jesus of the Bible says things so much differently. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, this is Matthew 24, if anyone were... Uh, would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? It's Matthew sixteen, twenty-four through twenty-six. Or four Boy, I had this all backwards here. <laughs> twenty-four through twenty-six. We are to deny ourselves. It's straight up. We are to follow him. This is not a secular religion. It's not a religion based on emotions or high feelings. We are to follow Jesus. It is a, uh, it is a tough walk because Jesus brings division. And this is actually going to be in a sermon that I preach on on the 18th, that not everybody is accepting of Jesus. 
and not even Christians <laughs> accept the biblical Jesus. And, you know, we can see that by those who buy these types of books. They don't understand who the biblical Jesus is. And that is one of the reasons why uh, this is such a passion to me is um, to do this particular series is to call out these terrible books and to educate people the differences between what modern Christianity is showing you versus what the biblical Christianity is showing you. Uh, this is one reason why Paul and I do the podcast together is to continue to push out and develop truth. This is why we do the roundtable with Nick, so we can answer your questions. This is why Paul does his solo series on hermeneutics to teach you how to read the Bible. Our passion is to show you the biblical Christ and how much more fulfilling and how much more different he is than a lot of what you're going to get in mainstream media. Now, I, I made a, a drop for it on our podcast um, that dropped on Tuesday, um, but I just finished a book. It's called Before the Throne, and I'm going to see if I have it in my stack downstairs here. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Oh, you know what? I left it upstairs. No big deal. But I can tell you who authored that book because I want to give this guy a shout out. His name is Alan Nelson. He's a pastor. Um, he probably doesn't even listen to this podcast, but I am going to send him a message tomorrow and I'm going to thank him for his book, Before the Throne. It is a fantastic book. If you have any means, I know a couple of people messaged me and said that they went and got it. I highly encourage picking it up because he meticulously takes the time to start sculpting the, the very tip of the iceberg. And he even says that in his book. It's just the tip of the holiness of God. And the one thing that we really lose in today's church is the holiness of God. Who is God? And we, we lose that imagery and many churches try to reproduce and uh, all these different ways, these circus acts to get you to come to church. People, authors are creating new gods and new Jesuses and, you know, to get you to read their material and that. And what we really need is just who is God, who is Christ and who is the Holy Spirit. We need the biblical breakdown of the Godhead. We need to read our Bibles. We need to spend time meditating on the word of God. And I mean, it, it's only right. It's only fair. I mean, he is holy, holy, holy. And we are, but created beings. And just dwell on that for a minute. When you listen to this podcast, pause it for 10 seconds and just think about the holiness of God. I hope it brings a smile to your face because the mercy and love of that holy God is allowing you to listen to this podcast and is allowing you to, to just come and worship with him and to come and be a part of this amazing journey through Christianity. And unfortunately the shack and all these other books, um, Jesus is calling and girl wash your face. They don't come close they don't even actually describe or depict the real God. They are just selfism. They are materialistic. They are um, just heretical, blasphemous works. If you want books that talk about God, then get um, Knowing God or pick up 
any book by, you know, Jonathan Edwards or John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul. I mean, get into some of the people who put their hearts into writing about God. Don't go to the bookstore and buy this trash. Because you're wasting your money, you're not going to get any closer to who God really is. If you're looking for a good devotion, uh, Valley of Visions is a great one. I actually just bought that one the other day. Um, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. I have that. You can actually get that as a free download in the App Store. If you're looking for a good devotion, get those. Spend some time with the Lord. Spend meaningful time. Don't read a devotion that's going to elevate you. Get a devotion that's going to elevate God and allow you to dwell on that throughout the whole day. You know, these these books are just, they, they break my heart because you would think in today's day and age, with as much information as we have on our hands, I, I'm, I'm looking at my computer screen right now, and uh, I've got my notes for my sermon that I'm prepping, and I am literally have got four Bibles open on my screen right now. Four Bibles. I have the ESV, uh, English Standard Version Bible. I have a Lexington English Bible. I have an, uh, a New Revised Standard Version Bible, and then I have the Reformation Study Bible open. And the only reason I have three of very similar Bibles open is just because they're, they were defaulted, but that's not the point. The point is, is with at the touch of a finger, I can have access to 90 different Bibles on my screen. I can have access to 25 different commentaries. I can have access to the internet, which gives me endless access to just about anything I want to know about the Bible, the history. And you can dive into the gospels and the letters and find out the culture and the characters of the people who are Paul's writing to, and you can understand the, the, the time that these were written in. You can, you can get so much more information about this than any other time in history. And yet we produce more heresy, more false teaching, more blasphemous writings than probably any other time in history. You know, we have the ability to have Bibles in our hands for little to no money. I mean, I, 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 I can't, I have, I don't know how many copies of a Bible here in different translations on my desk and in my bookshelf. I would not be shocked to say that most general households have at least one Bible somewhere. And yet we're the most ignorant time period of Christians, I think, in a, since the dark ages. I mean, that's shocking. The State of Theology report that Ligonier puts out every couple of years is a glaring example of that. Simple questions that they ask around the doctrine of, uh, of Christ, people cannot answer. And that's the passion that puts the fire under Paul and I to do these podcasts, is to help educate people. This isn't a beat down for, for people. I mean, uh, until a couple of years ago, I was ignorant. I, I thought I could... I mean, I thought I was the the Christian, like I knew it all and I had no clue about anything. I didn't have to go to church because going to church isn't a requirement. 
I didn't need fellowship. I didn't need to read my Bible. I'd already read it once or, you know, I read a couple pages or something back then. So I knew all about it. And I was so far off. And there's still so much I don't even know. And that's why I read and I study every single day. I listen every single day to sermons and, and various teachings to try to further myself. I mean, there should be nothing else in this world that takes our eyes away from Christ. Granted, we have jobs and families and, and, and other things, and that's all well and good. But in our mind, we should always be, how can I glorify Christ in this moment? How I'm going to work. How can I glorify God in my job? I'm at home with my family. How can I glorify God in those moments? In all things, we should be, we should be doing that. And so I urge you, if you have any of these books that we've talked about, burn them. Have a fire. Light them up. Put it on Instagram. Let's see it. Tag me in it. It'd be awesome. Because that's what they're good for. It's a good fire starter. I mean, I can give you so many good book recommendations, and that's not what I'm going to do on this podcast. As I mentioned some authors a little bit ago, but... If you have questions, send me DMs. We'll talk. If you want to know about other books that I'm reading, send me a DM and I'll tell you everything I've got going on in my life in terms of my reading schedules, which I'm a terribly slow reader, by the way. So, you know, don't think that I can fly through a book in a few days. I'm terribly not even near that. Um, but I just I really urge you to find authors that pour their hearts out for God. And who are actively seeking God in their writings. And always use scripture to point back to. These books don't do that. These books are a slap in the face. And in most cases, they're a left turn from what scripture actually tells us. So I said early on, this wasn't going to be a long podcast. Um, probably longer for me on a solo than I have in the last couple. But... Uh, this book to me just angers me more, I think, than anything else I've done or come across. Uh, so I appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight or in the morning whenever you guys listen to this. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you, you know, all of you listeners, and I know Paul does too. So we, we definitely appreciate everybody who's listening and tunes in. Um, but that's it for me tonight. Uh, if I keep ranting, you guys are just going to turn me off. So... <laughs> Um, make sure you follow us. I'm reformed underscore lifestyle on Instagram. Paul is reformed dot This is undying dot light. And, uh, you can follow us on all major podcast platforms. If you had the opportunity, please subscribe, leave us a review, um, and send us some feedback. If there's anything you'd want to change or any questions you want us to answer, uh, any positive feedback, any negative feedback, let us know. Send me DM. I'm open. Hit me up. Let's chat. And that's it for tonight, guys. Uh, I'm going to put a question up once this podcast goes live. So probably Saturday. And uh, we'll see if you guys want to do another book or if you want to move into. Uh, I'll throw in a couple of actual questions because I've got a couple areas that we can look at next. So that's it. Uh, special hermeneutics episode is going to drop next Friday. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be really interesting. Um, we are going to record it this weekend, and uh, I, I hope you guys look forward to that. So 
Um, Roundtable is going to drop Tuesday. And uh, so if you have questions, feel free to send those our way as well, because we, by the time this airs, we will have not recorded yet. That's a secret, but <laughs> uh, so that's it for me, guys. Um, again, leave all your feedback. Let us know how, what you thought of this episode. Um, and uh, we love you. God bless. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.